0: he was close to preaching. Started <laughs> close. Almost almost went there. So I was uh, I was excited. I almost took the mic off. It's like, keep going. Um, hope you're having a great morning. Uh, as you know, right now their kids are going off. Uh, I, we should always pray for the volunteer leaders and all of that because we have kids running around. And when you think of that, think of Brian and the 250 kids they got running around next week. Um, make sure you grab that form. We need to be praying because Even if we're not ready, God's already ready. God's already been working on the hearts, hopefully of the kids, and hopefully the leaders as well, and the speakers. As he said, today's a big day. This is the first complete series that uh, I uh, and us have done together. So the relationship of God, we figured it all out in eight weeks. (sighs) If If you're only hearing the audio of this, that was very sarcastic. I shook my head just so you know, and saw my face. Um, yes, uh, but we, it's, been, it's been fun uh, to be able to see the awe and bigness of God, where we first started with just this overview, but then starting that, it all begins with God first loving us. And we cannot forget that. And then us dealing with us loving God, knowing God, and a big part, too, is God knowing me, us, and that, The vertical, so we've been really dealing with the vertical, but the last week we started the horizontal. What does that look like? Loving others. So we, how do we love others? And you can't really love others well or properly if you're not connected to Jesus. And today is a big one. As you can already tell, um, Brian sort of gave away, it's discipleship. It's being a disciple. What does that really entail? Are we doing it well? We'll find out <laughs> together. Let's begin with the word of prayer, and then uh, let's dive into discipleship. If there Heavenly Father, I just, I pray that the study, the time together will be all used wisely and will be all to your name and your glory and your honor, and I just pray that your words affect people's hearts. I thank you for the time together. I thank you for this time to dig in and to to challenge us, to challenge me. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's dig right into Scripture. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Give you a second to get there. Digging into a little... So this is Jesus speaking to the 11. It says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. I want to ask you, last week we were called to love others. You were given the opportunity to write. So if you weren't here last week, you're good. You, You didn't have any homework to turn in. But last week we were talking about application of how, what are, what's someone on your heart that you know you need to love radically that, to do something how, may, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but how many of you actually executed that how many of you actually did that because once you left here it is no longer I'm not, I didn't call all of you going hey did you do it did, but did but did you Only you and God know that, to love radically, to love differently. And I think that's one thing that we really got to focus on is accountability. Accountability plays a huge part into that, and I think that plays a little bit into discipleship. And so the first quote that I want to, before we get into the scripture, the first quote, and I I took this quote from uh, a guy by the name of Robbie Galladay, but I love it, is Discipleship is a map, not a menu. Discipleship is a map, not a menu. I think Americans, people just in general, like to do what they want to do. I'm not saying just in that this is all about the church per se, but it's a lot about the church as well. But, But think about it. We like to do what we want to do. If we wanna to go to a class, we like what the topic is, we'll show up for it. If we don't, we won't show up for it. If we like what the speaker's talking about or we like the speaker, we'll show up, we'll do it. But if we don't, we don't. We will even pick out the parts of the speaker's top, topics that we like and then we will either ignore or we'll really harp on the parts we don't like. We like to pick and choose. Just like when we, like, do other things in our lives. When we're eating steak, mashed potatoes, and vegetables, like, I want to pick and choose. I do not like vegetables. Don't like it. We like the menu. And I think that's what we like when we do discipleship, too. We like it when it fits us. Fits our schedule. If it's an eight-week study, that, uh, can I fit it in that eight weeks? Can I, what is that really look like? I think we can even do it on the church side too much. We like to give a menu on the church side. So think about this. We have Sunday school. We talk about this topic. Then we have Sunday church. We talk about this topic. Then Wednesday night, we talk about a different topic. Then if you are in part of a Bible study or if you're in a small group, you talk about something else. And then by the end of the week, you've talked about four things. And then you're like, hey, what did we talk about last Sunday? And people wonder why, because it's like we're picking and choosing. We have, as Americans, information overload. We have information at our fingertips and we love to pick and choose. When I was a youth pastor, what I, what I had to do is I figured out this. Kids would never commit to anything until the last minute because they wanted to leave their options open because something better might come along. We, we're going to Cedar Point. We got, we're going out to eat afterwards. But they'll be like, ah, maybe, maybe. Well, you have to know by Thursday, 10 o'clock. Okay, 9.55 goes around. You going? Ah, because they want something better might come along. That has created us the menu options. We have created options. But we don't really do maps really well. And I'll explain a little bit like that, a little bit. Because I want to keep on digging in. Because I also believe we like shortcuts. We also like shortcuts, right? We like to find. We're really good at finding the easy way out. Finding the easy way. This is what I was talking about at the very beginning when I said the difference between a crock pot meal and a microwave meal. They both feed you, but they're both very, very different. One will nurse you really, really well. One will, you'll be probably going to the bathroom in a little bit. I don't know. But you have a microwave meal where, and I'm just saying, let's just get, let's get, get it done. Let's get it done. We have to. It's got to get done so I can move on to the next thing. Where a crock pot takes time. It takes time to make the meal, to do it well. I sort of illustrated this with like even reading the Bible. You can read the Bible but not understand it. You can read a whole chapter and be like, thumbs up. But it has no impact on your life whatsoever. Just because you did something doesn't mean you really did something. You basically are living off the menu. Uh, Another analogy I I served did with the food is you could go to, um, there's a bunch of trainings right now uh, about like TikTok, how to make money off of YouTube or TikTok or different kinds of stuff or even off of investments, 401k. So let's take that analogy. So you go to those classes, you do all that kind of stuff And then when they give you all that information, you do nothing with it. Did you really need to go to the classes? Because did you execute anything that you learned? Did you actually live it out? I think a lot of us have this living this shortcut, shortcut, this menu Christian lifestyle. We pick and choose what fits well for us. We pick and choose times for us, but we don't live the full life. And the reason why I can say this is because I think it affects all of us. It does not affect just one. It affects all of us. I also believe that we choose the menu instead of the map because a lot of people actually don't know where we're going. What is the end goal? What is the purpose? A lot of times people choose menu because at least we're we're doing something. But if you don't know where you're going, great quote, you can never take anyone, I wanna make sure I say this right, you can never take anyone someplace you've never been. You can only take them as far as you've been. You might, with GPS, that sort of changed things. But some of you remember the old maps, don't you? The old maps where you had to look, had to set a path. I had to. Even in my lifetime, I've had to. I know I'm young, but my wife was from Baltimore. So I would pull out the map, and I would go out there every two weeks. I love to travel, drive out there every two weeks. But the trip started to get boring. So I tried taking different ways. I was like, I'm going to take a little different path. i want to explore the back roads of West Virginia. Bad mistake. Uh, <laughs> going to take different paths, but wanted to see different parts. But then when you're on the side of the mountain with no, uh, yeah, it, just not great. Great choices all the time. But I knew where I was going. I knew where I was heading. I was heading to see my future wife. So I knew the end point. I think a lot of us, are we thinking, oh, the end point is when we die. Or the end point is, I accepted Jesus, that's it, I'm good to go until death. Is that the end point? Is that what God's called us to do? We need to know what the end point is. I say this too because I think a lot of leadership, a lot of people in leadership have not been discipled. I think that's why sometimes we see the struggle. You know that the stat came out, and these are rough stats, but there's a stat that's saying up to 60 to 70% of pastors themselves have never been discipled, never had someone to come alongside them, help train them, invest in them for time. I think that discipleship is hard because it deals with untraveled territory a lot of times. Are we really following what the Bible says about discipleship? And that leads to point number two. Do we live like Jesus? So a lot of people haven't really been discipled properly. And if they haven't been discipled properly, then we need to look at the ultimate disciple-maker, who's Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate disciple-maker. So let's look at it, and let's dig into a little bit about Matthew 28. So we've read Matthew 28 already, and it's usually called, what is it called? The Great Commission, okay? I like how uh, Wiersbe, I, I, in his commentary, uh, says that it is uh, it is usually called the Great Commission. It doesn't mean that it's a greater statement than any other of the gospel, but it is a focal point. It is a point that you can look to and turn to. Um, it's basically Jesus is based his commissioning of the disciples on his authority. So let's look back at it right here. It says... Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Okay? So that's a huge part. Authority has been given to Jesus. And Matthew is all about this. Matthew makes it clear uh, uh, that Jesus has been given authority. The entire uh, uh, Gospel of Matthew stresses the authority of Jesus in different areas. He teaches with authority in uh, chapter 7, verse 29. He exercised authority of the, in the healing in chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. And he even forgives sins in chapter 9, verse 6. He has even authority over Satan, and he delegates his authority to the apostles in chapter 10, verse 1. Because of this, we may obey him, Jesus, without fear. No matter where he leads us, no matter what the circumstances are are that we face, he is in control. By his death and resurrection, Jesus defeated all enemies and won for himself all authority. Now, and this is why it's important, because now Jesus has all authority. Jesus orders activity. So the first part is Jesus now has authority. How many of you really like listening to someone that doesn't know what they're doing or is not in charge of you or is like what co-worker that you're like has opinion about everything or tells you to do stuff and they're like they have no idea what they're talking about. They have no authority over you. It's being made clear that Jesus has the authority and he's making an order. The next is, and I want to get this right, because a lot of times people say that go is the authority. It's actually, it's not. It says, go and make disciples. In the Greek, the Greek verb translated go is actually not a command, but a present participle really meaning going. The only real command in the Great Commission is make disciples. The term disciple was the most popular name for the early believer. Being a disciple meant more than being a convert or a church member. And I want to read this because I think this really, uh, uh, Wearsby says this really well. Apprentice might be a better term. A disciple would attach himself to a teacher, identify with him, learn from him, and live with him. The disciple would not learn by simply listening, but also by doing. If we want to do discipleship like Jesus instead of the world, here are a couple highlights that we have to dig into and deal with. First off, it has to be intentional. If you want to, if you want to do discipleship well, it has to be intentional. That goes back to the map. It's not a, men, a menu. And that you can start thinking about this right now. Who's influencing your life? Do you have someone that you see that's investing into your life? Another great thing is who are you investing into? The, the gospel did not come to you to stop at you. The gospel came for you to pass it on. We got to keep passing it on. It's a map. It's got to be intentional. It's also hard and messy. When When you deal with people, when you deal with sin, it's going to be hard. It's messy when you do true discipleship because you are in, uh, in it with people and not away from it. I think... I think so many people, and I put myself in this as well, love to tell other people how to live, but don't love to live it out with them. We love telling people you're living in sin, but we don't love being in the mess with them to get them out. I think that's one of our biggest flaws. It's one of my biggest flaws. We have to be in the mess. It's messy. Because we're all fallen. We're sinful. And another big one that I think really struggles when we deal with discipleship is time. Is time. Jesus took three and a plus years with his disciples. Three plus years with his disciples. And they didn't get it a lot. We think an eight-week course will figure it all out the arrogance, the boldness of the church at times, to think if you just do these steps, we're good to go. We have lost our way. I find it really interesting because downstairs we were talking about when you see something, when you go one way and you're walking and it's not towards God, at some point you need to recognize and remember, oh, I'm going the wrong way. I need to repent and go back this way. I need to turn around and go back. I think a lot of us have been lost because we're so used to, hey, telling people what to do, how to do it, but we're not in it with them. We don't spend time with them because we got too much time to ourselves to get stuff done. That's not living life out together. That is just, hey, let's join the country club. Let's go golfing on Saturday. That'd be awesome. I'll grab something to eat and I'll see you next week. That. It's not what we're called to do. We are called to make disciple maker, disciples. We are called to make disciples. So the question that I ask you is, so do we live like Jesus in this area? We should. I think it's a lot simpler than what we make it. It's those people around you living life together. Who's living life with you right now? Who's with you? Are you investing into them? Are they a means to an end? Do you know this? That Jesus spent 90% of his time with the 12 slash three. With the 12 disciples slash, and then he had the other three that got to see some extra cool stuff. 90% of his time through scripture. The other 10% was through the 72, 70 or 72, or speaking to large crowds. We've messed this up because what, what's the world look like today? You ain't doing it right unless you're speaking to a lot of people. You ain't doing it right unless you have a big crowd. You know what's funny? Is Jesus does not usually do anything the world thinks is the way it is. He invested into 12. So different from today. I'm not saying that numbers don't play a part of anything, but they are a small part. The end goal is not attendance. The end goal is not membership. The end goal is not money. The end goal is not even baptism. The end goal is replication/slash disciples. We need to replicate ourselves. Jesus did not say to build the church numbers, but he did say that we were to make disciples. Which leads to point three, and you're going to have to hold on with me for a second. Let me explain myself. Are we a church that loses people? Now, some of you are probably thinking, he's lost his mind. But actually, I feel like I've really gained it. Starting to see glimpses of what Jesus had said. Hasn't it been awesome to see little kids running around? Like, the, when kids were start doing seeing that, I I saw smiles, dentures. I saw everything. Like, people were happy because there were little kids running around. It's a, it's amazing. But now imagine some of you can right now remember when you had a kid. Remember your kid when he was a baby. Some of you might have the grandchild right now, or some of you have held a baby because you haven't had one yet, but you remember having that baby the first time. You had to be intentional. You had to feed the baby. <laughs> you had to be intentional with the baby. I have to clothe the baby. I have to make sure it gets changed. It gets, you had direction. You had a map. You had to do things for the baby to grow also when you had a baby isn't having a baby hard and messy it's hard and messy i don't want to really get into the messy but if you have kids you know what i'm talking about they get into everything they use everything and stuff comes out from everywhere so it's messy and it's hard because you feel like, oh, I, I take two steps forward, and then you take a step back, and you're like, why is it crying? And I'm up at the middle of three and three losing my mind, and I can't watch Sports Center anymore, and it's like, ah, it's hard. It's difficult. And kids take time. Babies take time. There's time. I would love to hang out more with all of you. I just can't at times because I got two girls I need to hang out with to survive. It's the way it is because I'm investing into them. I'm pouring my life into them. But you know what? All of a sudden, in three years, my youngest, Janie, she can start doing things on her own. She can pick out her own outfits, go to the bathroom by herself, She's still a mess. Like, there's still areas. They're not perfect. But all of a sudden, you see from this small little step to the growth that she is now. And then you look at my six-year-old. She's farther along. One of the greatest advice that I ever got was from my father as being, and it wasn't to kick me out, but he's like, my goal and my job is to train you so by that time you're 18, you could go out on your own and be a man of God on your own. A changed perspective. He knew where he was going. That was the direction, the map that he was going to, is he wanted me to be at that point able to sustain. Was I perfect at that point? No. But at some point, I had to replicate him. At some point, his life, like he couldn't make all the decisions. He was pouring his life in, and that's going to happen to my girls as well. At some point, I can no longer have them when they're 45 living in my house. I haven't been a good, we'll put in quotes, disciple maker. Basically, replicated well. I haven't replicated myself well because basically I've just hoarded my daughters, which I love them, but that is not my job. My job is for them to grow and for them to go out. That's what we need to be doing as a church. Are we living so radically that we are growing up people in the church that we love seeing them go out? Of course, I want them to stay here, but if they have the calling and the passion and heart of people to go out and to be, to go replicate themselves in other places, let's go. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to make more. People just sitting in the pews. And I love people sitting in the pews because I love you. But we're called to make disciples. We're called to make uh, to help people along in their journey so when they go out and they go and reach their community, we get to enjoy that in heaven. We get to enjoy that through uh, through hearing it, through letters, through all that, because now we are actually kingdom-minded. We're creating disciples Are we being this intentional to new believers or people around us in our lives? Or when people come to faith, do we feel that the job is done? To let you know, the job is actually just beginning. Are we a church that loses people? Losing people is not a bad thing. I want to lose people because we've invested so much into them that they replicate their lives. That they just have a heart for Jesus. We are called to raise our people well and invest in them. And I'm called to that. Is that giving them the proper Bible information, teaching, classes? Yes, that's a huge part of it. I'm not saying that those things are bad or not needed. But that can't be all of it. We must have a life-on-life discipleship. We must live in the area of being intentional, of it being hard and messy, and of our time. And being a church that's willing to lose people because we've invested so much time into people. Next week... It's Family Sunday, so we're going to do a nice kid's service. I'm actually much more nervous for the kid's service than, than for you guys. Uh, I, uh, even though I've been a youth pastor, the little kids, I could see them just running off. Uh, so no sugar next week. Uh, we talked about that. <laughs> no sugar. Uh, no, but we're going to do that, and then we're going to start a new series about how to actually live this out. But I think the one thing that uh, me and my, I was talking to one of my friends really talked about is sometimes we need to realize that we have an issue that needs fixed before we start fixing it. You won't fix anything as long as it keeps working, but all of a sudden your air conditioner goes out. We gotta fix this, but as long as it keeps running, i think that's sometimes what happens in the church we get comfortable we get comfortable well this is the way we've done it this is how it's done this is what's going on and and that's fine to a point but at some point too it's like if we're not going the way jesus wants us we have to recognize it and then we have to turn and go the way jesus wants us to I want to get it before before we get in trouble, before we can't turn back. We have to recognize that. So we're going to start that series. But you know what's interesting? is a series is isn't going to do anything. I'm giving you behind the scenes. We're working really hard at building what this really looks like, to have actual people in our lives being committed to them, to having life groups. Some of you heard life, this is the first time you heard life groups. It will not be the last, but living life with people and then having discipleship groups together. We call them D groups together to live it out with each other. And so the hard thing is you can tell me I'm I'm passionate, I get excited. I want to throw it all out there. But we got to be wise and do it in God's timing. And we got to take steps into why we need to Continue to do this. Continue to live this out. I'm so excited for the future. But the questions that I want you to ask yourself today, to ask yourself today because, once again, I don't know. Who's discipling you? Is there someone godly in your life? And the reason why I brought up the 60 to 70% of pastors, why do you think we're in so much trouble with pastors doing sinful stuff? they have no one pouring into them. They have no one discipling them, checking in on them intentionally, holding them accountable, reading together, praying together. Like, the job's not over. Who's discipling you? And if someone is discipling you, are you discipling anyone? And the question you got to ask yourself, if I'm doing neither... is that a good thing or not because what my definition is is that we aren't then being true disciples we need to replicate ourselves and here's the the thing that we need to do is we're really not replicating ourselves we're trying to replicate Jesus live as Jesus would live cuz no matter what it's still going to be very very hard Very, very messy, and it's going to take time. But I want us to start heading and being very intentional where we're going. Just like I knew where, at the end of the day, where I was going when I was heading to Baltimore, I knew the address. I want us to be intentional to to lean into, to head in the direction of living out this discipleship life with others with others in our community, with other people. But now you have to wrestle with, you have to process, where are you at with that right now? Because just like having a child is hard, dealing with discipleship is hard. When you invest with people, it's hard. You see people's mistakes, you see people's flaws, you see people's sin, People let you down. People do that. But that's what we're called to do. If the worship team can come up here when they sing. But I want you guys just to process this. This is just a little bit of the beginning of what that means to live it out. But I think that's where we want to be. Just talking with all of you and being around you. I believe we want to live this out. We want to live it out well because I believe this is a church that knows a lot about the scripture, wants to impact their community, wants to do that. And I just want to come alongside and do it too. So that's the joy of what's coming in the future as well. So let's sing and then I'll close in prayer.